Right, let's read Matthew 5:22 together. But I say unto you that whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. And whosoever shall say to his brother, Raka, shall be in danger of the council. But whosoever shall say, Thou fool, shall be in danger of hell fire. All right, then 1 John 3.15. 1 John 3.15. 1 John 3.15. Let us read together. Whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer, and ye know that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. May God bless the reading of his word. Now, the question that this young person submitted is, now, since hating anyone in the heart is murder already, I want to know more definitively what acts of hatred are like and what are not. Since I think you also mentioned that being cold to someone, for example, not talking to or ignoring someone, may be considered as hatred. Now, essentially speaking, by God's definition and standards, what is hatred? Example, I want to know the difference between acts of self-defense. Example, extracting oneself from peer pressure for sinful, in, sinful, in sinful situations and acts of hatred. Okay, so basically the question is this. I know from scriptures, hatred is murder in the heart, but what, what is it really? You know, what, what other acts are, are, hate, are considered hatred? And is ignoring someone considered hatred? And if I feel that I'm in a, in a, in a, in a friendship or people are talking and about sinful things and I don't want to get out of it or someone is always, you know, um, giving me peer pressure to do sinful things and I ignore them, right? I avoid them. Now, is it considered acts of hatred? Okay, so that is the gist of the question. Now, actually, for the Ten Commandments, all right, there is a useful resource in your BBK book. Because at the end of it, at the end of it, they compile the Westminster Confession, um, Catechism, Question and Answer, and they explain the various commandments, giving Bible references, giving examples of what are examples of hatred, what are examples of breaking this um, sixth commandment. All right? So, for example, question 136. Turn to page... 337, all right, 337. Yes, a list, exactly what you asked for, right? What would be considered acts of murder? What is considered hatred? What can I do? What should I not do? What is not considered hatred and murder? It's explained, right? So you see question 136. What are the sins forbidden in the sixth commandment? And then... Um, in question 135, what are the duties required? So what you must do and what you must not do. What would be considered murder? What is not considered murder? All right? So they're all here. You see the little, little um, numbers uh, on top of the words. You turn to the back. Those are the Bible verses that you get it from. Okay? So, first and foremost, what I am required to do? Question 135. Or maybe we do what am I not allowed to do first? 136. 
Now look at point number five. Uh, sorry, point number six. Sinful anger. Sinful anger. Now it's not just hatred. If there's sinful anger, there is righteous anger. We studied. God does talk about righteous anger. God has righteous anger. Right? When there is sin committed, when there is um, sin committed against others, we should be angry at sin. Right? So there's righteous anger. But this is sinful anger. So between husband and wife, between parent and child, you and your parent as a teen, young person. Now you are wrong. And you have anger. You, you, uh, you don't like to be corrected. Right? You get upset at your parents for correcting you. That's sinful anger. So don't think it's just hatred. Right? You can go to the definitions um, um, 7. You see the Bible verse. Because now you're angry at someone for no cause. For no cause. Matthew 5.22 But I say unto you that whosoever is angry at his brother without a cause, you are wrong. Husband, you are wrong, child. Right? You are wrong, parent. Instead, you get angry at your child. So, without a cause, is in danger of judgment. And this verse is about hatred. And whosoever should call his brother Raka means, Raka means useless. You useless idiot. Now, do you ever occur to you in school hmm, when you quarrel, then you get upset and you call someone useless, idiot, hopeless? Now, God says even these words, this sinful anger that make you say these words. God says you'll be in danger of the council. You should be brought for judgment. And thou fool. How many times we call people, how many times have we called people that? Call our children? I hope you never call your parent that. My parents are fools, right? Thou fool shall be in danger of hell, fire. So you cannot have your own definitions. Now, I think this is a good question because it's a common problem in our lives. Sometimes as Christians, we don't realize this. But by definition, in God's word in Matthew 5.22, I think we have to say that we are guilty of many of this. When you quarrel with your sibling. Now, it doesn't mean you don't use the word fool. You have not committed this sin. Right? Fool means it's basically insulting, the intention to insult, intent to hurt, intent to make the person feel, um, feel small, feel um, injured. These words, they come from your heart. Now, they are considered murder. So to this person who asks, I want to know more definitively what are the acts of hate? What acts of hatred are like? What they are not. So this is what it's like. Very, very common behavior in ourselves. Now, what are the acts? For example, excessive passions, provoking words. Right? Provoking words. So it's, these words are meant to provoke. If you intend to say something to someone. You may think, I, I, I don't hate the person, Pastor. I, I don't have hate in the person, in me. But the fact that you say things or you do things to irritate, to make the person angry, to make the person upset, acts of provocation, words of provocation. Why do you think they say, I'm angry at this person? I'm going to call him fool. I'm going to call him idiot. 
I'm going to call it hopeless. What do you think you're trying to do? You're trying to provoke, provoke reaction. Good, now the person is reacting. Means the person is upset. I never forget, even in church, someone um, made another person cry. Another person was very happy. Even went up to the Christian, I, I'm glad I see you crying. Now you know how, how uh, I feel, right? So they do things to make people cry, make people upset. And they feel that, yeah, you deserve it. So acts of provocation. Children, do you do that at home? Hmm? Say, no. You sure? You see, in the car. Don't touch me. Touch you back. Right? Acts of provocation. Irritating one another. These are acts of provocation. So, you see, we have our definition. That's why I say this question is good. We have a definition of, well, this is not hatred. But by God's definition, you call them that, you say those things, is to provoke, is to hurt. That is considered breaking the sixth commandment. So common, working person, adults, you do that at work, someone, someone sabotaged you and you do it in return. Acts of provocation, all right? So those are for example. Now, what else? Look at here, quarreling. Oppression, quarreling, striking, wounding. Yeah, oppression. oppression is an act of provocation. It is an act of causing hurt to people. Now, this is common on the internet now, isn't it? God's word is timeless. What do people do on the internet? They slime others, they, they ridicule, make fun to the point where some of them commit suicide, right? Acts of oppression. I want to oppress them because I don't like them. They are trying to figure out laws for this. Is it considered murder? You oppress and, and incite someone to the point of suicide. So even the world recognizes this is something that is, that is serious. Striking, wounding. I hope no one does this at home, all right? When you argue with your sibling, that is already sinful anger. Then it escalates to hitting, hitting one another, striking, hitting one another. All right? So all these have biblical basis upon which um, we, we understand the principle. You say to hurt, and now you hit. Not only the person will feel the, the hurt in the heart, you want the person to feel the pain in the physical body as well. There should never, ever be physical abuse between, in the family, right? Spouses. Never, ever. It's in, the, in scriptures, is God says it is something that is in danger of hellfire. You're committing murder in your heart. That hatred that leads to physical actions. So not only the church must deal with it because this is a very serious sin. The church must also involve the relevant legal, uh, um, legal parties in society to, to, to fix, to also um, deal with it. All right? We have a duty to do that. So, because it's against country laws as well. Okay, so now basically at the end it describes. 
whatsoever, who, uh, whatsoever else tends to the destruction of life of any. Destruction of life. You say, but well, I didn't kill the person. Well, in your heart, that is what you want. You want the person to be destroyed. Destroyed at work. His, his job career, destroyed. Destroyed of life, reputation among your friends in school. Sliming someone. Passing gossip against someone. It's a destruction of the person's reputation. Destruction of life. Anything that causes that is summarized. Destruction of life. Alright, so I hope I answered this person. What, is it, what are the things considered as acts of hatred? Scriptures tells you. Now, what, what, what about what, being cold to someone, ignoring someone? What is not murder? Now, if you look at question 135, now it says, the sins forbidden in the sixth commandment are taking away of life of um, all, take, all taking away the life of ourselves or of others. Actually, suicide commit self-murder, okay? Well, we already covered. Um, abortion is murder. Now, but next, except in the case of public justice. So, we see that God says clearly, life for life. So, we are not against capital punishment because it is scripture. Capital punishment is for protection of life, right? If you don't understand Come and see me. I'll use scriptures to explain to you why Christians are not against capital punishment. Right? Because it's life for life. But the key thing is this. It's protection of life. Murderers, um, there are proven murderers will continue to murder, kill children, and so on. It's protection of the innocent. That is why God put in this law. Now, if they repent in their heart, they come to Christ as their Savior, yes, they'll be, they'll be saved. Their soul is safe, but they still need to go through the cost, the penalty of their actions. Okay, so don't think that there's no penalty. Except in the case of public justice, lawful war. Um, lawful war, what is lawful war? The next one described. Necessary defense. So it is about defense. If someone comes to your country to, de to, to, um, to wage war and to occupy your, your country, Take away your freedom. Well, it's lawful to war against them for necessary defense. Oh, so that is not sinful. We also have scriptures. Um, now, actually, if you want, you can turn to Exodus 22, verses 2 to 3. Quickly, Exodus 22, verses 2 to 3. Right? It says, if a thief be found breaking up and be smitten that he die, there shall no blood be shed for him. Okay, so self-defense. A thief comes into your house. Now, but verse 3 clarifies, if the sun be risen upon him, there shall be blood shed for him, for he should make full restitution. If have nothing, then he shall be sold for his theft. Now, what does it mean? If the sun be risen up, now, if a thief breaks in at night, then the assumption and the intention is there is 
clandestine that is malicious intent to hurt, right? So basically, the point is this. When there is cause for you to defend yourself in the dark, for example, you can't see and your, your intention is not to kill and your intention is to defend and the person comes at night, you can't see what the person is going to do to you and in an act of self-defense, the person dies. So that's the point, all right? It's, it's not really just simply because there's sun or no sun. Then it's no blood shall be shed for him, all right? It's self-defense. Protection of yourself, your family. But if there is proof, if the sun be risen upon him, there's there shall be blood shed from him. If, if there's proof that, well, this is intentional, so please don't do this, all right, Christian? As long as it's at night, if a thief come in, I'm going to take a knife and, and chop him to pieces. I'm okay. It's not murder, all right? It's simply, you, you know, you can see, you know. I hide behind and I'm going to kill him. If you do that, then blood shall be shed for him. means you, you are guilty. You have intent to cause to cause harm, intention. Remember, even in the world, they understand this principle. It's a biblical principle drawn from the Bible. Murder is, by definition, there is premeditation of the heart. Correct? You have to, be, you have to prove there's premeditation of the heart. Means there's an intent. Manslaughter, there's proof that, that there was no intent to kill. Right? So, there is difference. Right, so if, if it's self-defense, it is not murder. So now then it leads to this point. Now, what if I ignore someone? Right? Pastor, you say I don't talk to someone, I ignore someone. Now that can be considered hatred. Now, when I taught that series, what I mean is this. Don't think that just because you you don't outwardly say hurting words, that you fool, you idiot. And, and insult the person and hurt the person, just because you don't write things about the person on the internet and, and all that, just because you don't do that, but you just act cold towards a person. Don't think that it's not murder. Basically, it is a motive of the heart. By my behavior, I want to hurt you. Right? Mommy and daddy um, punished you for doing something sinful. And then what you do? Right? You, re you accept the punishment, but you act very defiant. Right? Then after the punishment is over, they talk to you. You don't talk to them to show defiance, to show that you're not happy. Act cold towards them. Spouse. Right? Maybe that's the example they learn from. You're, you're upset at, some, at the, other, the, other, the other spouse, and that's what you do. Cold shoulder treatment between siblings. That's what I meant. It's the intention of heart. I'm doing this as an act of provocation, as an act of causing you to be hurt. Now, those, you must realize the motive in your heart is sinful. Okay? So that is what I meant. So if you do this, extracting myself from peer pressure, so now this person takes to the next part. Now, if it's in school, this group of people, they are very, very carnal, very sinful. They, they, they take the name of Christ in vain. I want to extricate myself from them. And maybe I've, I've fall to, I tend to fall to their temptation, so I don't want this, all this peer pressure. I want to keep away from them. Is this considered ignoring them, giving a cold shoulder? Is it sin, sinful? No, it's not. If in your heart, if in your heart, it's genuinely that. <coughs> but if in your heart, excuse me, if in your heart is, is a, 
I want to show them how stupid they are. I want to show them how, I want to insult them by, by extricating myself from that. Well, it's not really for self-protection, but it is part of an act of insulting them. You Only you know that, all right? So for the person who asked that, you and I, all of us, we have to search our hearts. Why do we do that? Right? Why do we do that? So parents, sometimes you may need to give the cold shoulder treatment to your child. Right? To show them that you are angry, that they have done something sinful, is righteous anger, and you want them to know that they will not get your response until they apologize, they repent. Right? Even God, even God withdraws his fellowship from us to cause us to feel sad, to cause us to feel um, 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 brokenhearted, right? That's why David prayed, take not that Holy Spirit from me, the fellowship of God from him, causing them to repent. But if you do it out of personal anger and to make the child um, not feel bad for their sin, but, but to abuse the child, emotional blackmail, that kind of thing, now that is sinful. So you must search your heart very carefully in this area whenever you respond. Okay? So I hope I answered this person and I hope that all of us really search our hearts. By Matthew 5.22, I think many of us are guilty of this sin. It's not just hatred, anger, but it's just those acts that we are very commonly guilty of. God views it that way, not me. Alright? Let's bring ourselves to understand this and repent. Alright? Repent. Now, but I have to ask you to turn to Leviticus chapter 19, verse 17. Leviticus chapter 19, verse 17. Let us read together. Leviticus 19, 17, reading. Thou shalt not hate thy brother in thine heart. Thou shalt in any wise rebuke thy neighbor and not suffer sin upon him. Now, we studied this at prayer meeting. You shall not hate your brother in your heart. God Christ explained that in the New Testament very clearly. It begins in your heart. But you must also know another definition of hate that God puts to the children of Israel and is applicable to us as well. This is a law. Thou shalt in any wise rebuke thy neighbor and not suffer sin upon him. God says, you hate your brother. You hate your children. You hate your spouse. If you do not rebuke them when there is sin in their life that you know of and you allow sin to continue in their life and not help them out of it, make them aware of it and deal with it. God says that is hate. So we must understand this. So children, when daddy and mommy corrects you and controls you so that sin does not continue in your life, they love you. If they don't do that, God says that they hate you. You must understand that. Same for the adult, between spouses, between the singles, between friends in church. When someone tries to help you, help you see your sin, help you avoid continuing in a sin, or making a decision that would lead you into sin, in a relationship, in, in certain choices of job, in, in whatever it is, if they don't, if they keep quiet, the reality is they hate you. They love themselves. I do not want to make the person upset at me. I want the person to like me. That's all. That's very often why we don't correct our children. 
Daddy, you correct the child. I want the child to love me. So you correct the child, right? Or the other way around. So remember that. But you who are doing correcting, we've already studied. Huh? Check your motives. Okay? Now, why do we talk about false doctrines? Expose certain people for their what? Write to them, talk to them. It's because of this. God says you let them continue in that. Of course, do it for the right motive, not to be self-righteous. It is hate. All right, so that's answered. Now, next question. Now, let us turn to Psalm 109. Psalm 109. This question is also commonly asked how to understand this, what to learn. Psalm 109. It's very long. Okay. Now, before we read, basically the person is asking this. What? Isn't David, is David's prayer here biblical? Right? Is it biblical? Because he seemed to be cursing people. Okay? We are talking about hate, right? So we put this question together. Now, let us read maybe from verses uh, 1 to... All right. One, 1 to 15. Reading. Hold, uh, to the chief musician, a psalm of David. Hold not thy peace, O God, of my praise. For the mouth of the wicked and the mouth of the deceitful are open against me. They have spoken against me with a lying tongue. They have compassed me about also with words of hatred and fought against me without a cause. For my love, they are adversaries. But I give myself unto prayer, and they have rewarded me evil for good, and hatred for my love. Set thou a wicked man over him, and let Satan stand in his right hand. When he shall be judged, let him be condemned, and his prayer be a sin. Let his days be few, and let another take his office. Let his children be fatherless, and his wife a widow. Let his children be continually vagabonds, and beg, and let them seek their bread also out of their desolate places. Let the extortioner catch all that he hath, and let the stranger spoil his labor. Let there be none to extend mercy unto him, for neither let there be any favor to his, favor his fatherless children. Let his posterity be cut off, and the generation following and their name be blotted out. Let the iniquity of his fathers be remembered with the Lord, and let not the sin of his mother be blotted out. Let them be before the Lord continually that they may cut off the memory of him from the earth because they have remembered not to show mercy, but, oh, sorry, don't read that first, all right. All right, so, so wow. Seriously, how can such a, a prayer be in the, in the Bible? Imagine the pastor come up one day and pray this on the pulpit to about others. So the question is, is this, David, is this prayer of David actually biblical or is it re re recorded here for us to avoid using all this? All right? The person is evil, but there is no mention of his family also involved in evil doing. But David pray, David's prayer was hoping punishment will fall on his fathers, mothers, wives, children. It sounds like a malicious wish of David, right? Is this hatred? Is this hatred? Now, in the Bible... And we studied this at prayer meeting also. 
the Bible have different kinds of prayers. Now, one of the prayers are called, one of the kind of prayers are called imprecatory prayers. Imprecatory prayers. Not impractical prayers, right? Imprecatory prayers. Now, imprecatory prayers are praying against the enemies. And it is not wrong. Okay? How do we know this is not wrong? And why do we say that this, there are such, such prayers should be prayed? Should we pray such prayers? Yes, it is in the Bible and there are imprecatory prayers. We should pray such prayers. Now, first and foremost, although in the beginning we read that they have compassed me, they have done this to me, 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 me. Now the question is, is it personal? If it's personal and God they did this to me, God, you're going to do all these things to them. Then it's definitely sinful. All right? Now, it is imprecatory prayers are not personal. David said, they've done all this to me. Now, please look at verse 16. Verse 16. Because that he remembered not to show mercy, but persecuted the poor and the needy, that he might even slay the broken in heart. As he had loved cursing, so let it come from him. And so on and so on. Now, David is praying that these people who do... who who goes around committing wickedness, and he has personally experienced that it is true. David is not hearsay. I hear say that this person is wicked. I hear say that this person does this kind of thing. David say, yes, I've proven from my personal experience, these persons, they are such wicked, sinful people. And would what? Would not show mercy. Persecute the poor and the needy. They prey on the poor and the needy. They are superior, their power, they will do this to them mercilessly. But, and what? That he might even slay the brokenhearted. Instead of being kind and pitiful to the brokenhearted, oh, your, 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 your family, your parents died. Good. Now you have no parents to defend you. While you're brokenhearted, I will come and kill you. The deep wickedness in them. You see, in verse 16, he says, I pray all this. The key word is because. Because there are people that are like that. And God, if you do not do anything, number one, they will continue to do this, and the poor and the needy and the brokenhearted and the innocent and the weak will continue to be under their evil and wicked ways, just like I've experienced it myself. Now, if you want Another example. If you turn with me to Psalm 83. Now, this makes very clear what imprecatory psalms about. Psalm 83. Psalm 83. Now, here is the psalm explaining why imprecatory prayers are prayed. So, hear this. If you want to pray imprecatory prayer, you better be clear about your motives. Otherwise, it's murder. All right? Now, Psalm 83, let's read verses 13 to 18. Reading. Oh my God, make them like a wheel, as a stubble for the, before the wind, as the fire burneth a wood, and as the flame setteth the mountains on fire. So persecute them with thy tempest, and make them afraid with thy storm. Fill their faces with shame, that they may seek the name of the Lord. Let them be confounded and troubled forever. Yea, let them be put to shame and perish. That man may know that thou, 
whose name alone, name alone is Jehovah, art the most high over all the earth. Now here, the psalmist prayed in practically prayer. But the reason, just like in Psalm 109, uh, the earlier psalm that we read, Psalm 9, the explanation is given. All right? Look at verse, look at verse 15. Make them afraid of thy storm. In practical prayer number one is to cause the sinners to fear. God even brings very fearful things into your life. Your tempest. You know when God has tempest? It's scary. You have tsunamis and, and uh, tornadoes and all this judgment that God brings. It's very scary. But say, use your tempest to make them afraid. Use your storm to make them afraid. All right, it's not vindicate me and make me feel good. Make them afraid. They have no fear of God. That is why they are doing all this wickedness with no, with no conscience at all. No fear of judgment. Use this to make them fear. Alright, so make them fear. Why? Verse 16. Even make them ashamed. Right? Cause problems to their family, to their children. Make them ashamed. They do not feel any shame. Not only no fear, no shame for what they do. And say, that purpose clause, that they may seek thy name, O Lord. Now, is it not true? When, when wicked people, only when they face disaster in their life, only when they face something that now they no longer can hide, and they really realize, they're, they're exposed and they're ashamed now, right? And they feel the shame. And so is it not only then that many seek the Lord? Imprecatory prayers that David and the other psalmists pray are to cause them to turn to God. Now, personal vin vengeance. Further, all right? Now, Psalm 83, look at verse 17. Let them be confounded and troubled forever. Yea, let them be put to shame and perish. Now, if they would not repent, then let it be so. Why? Found in verse 18. That, again, that explanation because that, that men may know, that men may know that thou, whose name alone is Jehovah, art the most high over all the earth. Now, if they would not repent, Lord, let all this thing happen. Why? So that others, if they do not want to repent, they do not stop, that others may know and others will stop. Others will fear. They see that there is retribution. Not only that, that others may know that thou, whose name alone is Jehovah, are the most high. That, you, that God, you are not blind. That you are Jehovah. You keep covenant with your people. That you will act, that vengeance is yours. That let this, in this life, let people see that. That when they do these things to the people of God, God is not blind. He will act. That they may fear. That others may fear. Alright? So, does the Bible have impractical prayers? If you do not, do not read the whole psalm, it sounds like it's malicious wish of the psalm, psalmist with a personal vendetta. But when you finish reading it, you understand that it is. That, number one, they may fear and stop. Number two, these perpetrators may turn to God. Number three, if they don't, others may turn to God. And others will stop doing what they're doing. Okay? So, imprecative prayers. Please understand that. So, dear friends, should we pray imprecative prayers? When you do not pray imprecative prayers, when it's personal. Alright? When it's personal, you forgive. God says, turn the other cheek. You forgive. But once it is against the work of God, 
the people of God, God's purposes. This means they were not praying for personal vengeance. When the work of God, when the name of God, that they may know whose name alone is Jehovah, when the name of God, why do we preach? Why do we openly talk about the errors? Because the name of God, the glory of God is at stake. When, people, when these Christians or when these people, they refuse to repent. They continue to, to, to bring the name of God to shame. We have to pray imprecatory prayers, but not personal, right? So, young ones, your friend bully you in school. Don't go back and pray this, all right? Kill father, kill mother, and then all the children, and then they all go back, and then they fail their exams. This is not personal prayer, all right? You may pray, Lord, Lord, let something happen to this boy or this girl so that they will fear and they will repent. You see, David said, for my love, for my love, they return me evil. David always had love for them. You still love them. And you pray this because, God, you know, I don't know what to do. They will never repent. I continue to be nice to them. They continue to persecute me and, 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 and uh, do all these wicked things to me. God, please let something happen to them so that they will repent. I want them to be saved, Lord. No matter what they do to me, I want them to be saved. And if they don't want to repent, at least other children, when something happens to them, other children will fear and other children will repent. All right, this is how you understand imprecatory psalms. Don't, don't, don't be trigger happy and always praying this kind of imprecatory psalm because you are personally angry. Okay? So I hope I answered that. Well, we only have time for these two questions.